about that story? Have you ever heard it before? It's really cool. Let me tell it to you. I'll just read it real quick. It said, Jesus was, was traveling on a place called the Sea of Galilee, and when he got off the boat, there was a large crowd of people that had followed on the shore because they had seen him doing wonderful things for the sick and bringing healing. And, and Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples, and um, the Passover, the Feast of the Jews, was, uh, was coming up. And so Jesus looked at his eyes, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where are we going to buy enough bread so that these people can eat? And Philip said, Bread for all of these people? It would take almost six months worth of pay to buy just enough food for everybody to eat. Yeah. And Jesus said, Well, what do you guys have right here? And so the disciples looked around and talked to different people, and Andrew came up and he said, well, all we've got is this one little kid, there's a little boy here, and he's got five little tiny rolls and a couple of fish. But that's not enough to feed all of these people. And Jesus said, I want you guys to have the people sit down. And so they all sat down on the grass, and it said there were five thousand men plus their wives plus children. There was probably 15 to 20,000 people. Do you know that's a huge, huge amount of people? You know how many people we have living in Two Rivers and Pleasant Valley? Only 1,400. That would be almost that would be almost four times? Three times? Three Two Rivers places. A lot of people! And you know what Jesus did? It said he took the fish and he took the bread and he raised it up and he said a blessing. And then he gave thanks to God and then he told his disciples to take the, the bread and take the fish and give it out to all of his people. And they did. And it says every person had enough to eat. Now, I want to show you a little bit of an example of this. Now, I, I didn't have real fish, so I got some fake fish. <laughs> these are little gold fish. You, have you guys had these before? Do you like them? Yeah. Well, this is really cool. So, I want... Oh, there's, there's not a whole lot in here. Because this would be enough for me. Well, where will you get fish? Because these are for me. See, I can't magically make this bigger. I can't magically go, boom, and then we have lots. Can I? I don't have that ability. But Jesus does. Literally, Jesus had the ability to say, Father, make this more than enough for all of the people. And it would be like, poof! And guess what? There would be a full basket. Wow. Wow. Now, I would do this. But God has the ability to do that. Don't open them yet. Mom and Dad have to give you permission. But see, God, in this story, He made it possible for every single person to have all the food that they want to eat and even more. You 
see this? At the end of the story, you know what they did? It says in the Bible that Jesus said, go around and pick up the leftover pieces so that nothing is wasted. And it says there were 12 baskets filled with food. And the Bible doesn't tell us what they did with that food, but you know what I think might have happened? Where did it come from in the beginning? The little boy that gave his five pieces of bread and two fish. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus said, hey little boy, come here, and gave this little boy 12 baskets filled with food to take home to his family? Wouldn't that be cool? But this is a way for us to remember. So every time from now on, every time that you guys eat goldfish crackers, I want you to think God is able to do crazy miracles and make things happen that is impossible for us. Even if it's little, 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 God can make it big. And you can say, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust you. And I please ask that you would make a miracle happen and make this big enough for everything that we need. In Jesus' name, and watch to see that God can do it. So, let's pray. I'm going to not eat these, I'll eat these later. Let's pray. Jesus, bless these kids. Help them, Father, to understand that you are bigger than anything that they would face. And that any need that they have, you can supply and I ask God that you would bless them and take them home. I mean, go home with them and help them to learn to live out this truth. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so every time you goldfish, remember, God can make a bigger, God can do a great big miracle. You guys can go back and say, wait, 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 wait. Yes, 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 yes. Do you guys realize that if it wasn't for the kid, then the miracle wouldn't have happened? So you guys are important. Seriously. It was a kid who made that miracle happen. It wasn't the It wasn't the goat that said, Thank you guys. Normally I would be walking back right now, but I want to show you something first of all. Um, there are certain verses in the Bible that just kind of grip me as I read them. Um, that, that have become almost life verses for me. Um, one of the ones that is just has been powerful in, in my life, in my ministry especially, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you, if you were to open it up and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and you read through the, the entire verse, excuse me, the entire chapter is only 18 verses long. We're not going to take the time to read all of it. But I want to read just a couple verses out of it. Number one, verse 7 out of chapter 4. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, what is this treasure? Well, it's the gospel. It's the message of the gospel. We carry it with us wherever we go. But Paul is reminding us that we are jars of clay, broken or necessary, or breakable at least. Now, it goes on to talk about a lot of different things that we're not going to talk about this morning. Um, But that one is very powerful for me. Every time a friend of mine becomes an ordained minister of the Church of Nazarene, and there's something that I care about, I give them a gift, and the gift that I give them is a piece 
of pottery, a piece of crockery, something that is hopefully hand-thrown or at least heavy, as a reminder of this verse. You carry in you the gospel. You carry to the world the gospel. But recognize you are a vessel of clay. You're of the earth. It's not you that's doing it. It's the, the, the message of the gospel that you're preaching that's going to do the work of the transformation. That's the power of God. But you're carrying it. And so I have this morning that I have on the table for you to look at this crop that was given to me by a very dear friend. And you'll notice that the crop has a crack in it, and the crack, I think, goes all the way through. I know that it does a little bit. I can't see far enough down in there, but it does go all the way at least to here. Um, so this is really good for decorative purposes, but it's really no good for carrying stuff anymore, especially not liquid stuff. Um, and, and maybe even not good for powdery stuff or, or, or grains because there's the potential, I guess, for contamination through the crack. But the thing that, I was, that was interesting to me this morning was I told Elsie when I came in, I said, I'm sorry, Elsie, I'm going to trash your display. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I, I'm going to be putting this really ugly crop on the table with all of your china and your candles and your linens. And she said, oh, it's, no, it's, it's really pretty, it's really nice. And I sat back over there and looked at it, but it's not pretty and it's not nice. <laughs> and it, it does not go with the rest. It's just this thing that's there. But it's okay, I'm the pastor, I can tell you tell Elsie what I want on the table, so I get to have it on the table. That's right. um, but there's another verse, and we'll get back to this drop in just a second. There's another verse in 2 Corinthians that, and it's right on the same page, now that I just closed my Bible. Um, it's on the same page, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it's verse 5. It says, God has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Our theology tells us that when we come into relationship with God, that the Holy Spirit of God comes into us. I don't know how to describe that other than just using the idea of a, of a jug and God pours the Holy Spirit in there and closes it up. It doesn't it doesn't work for me very well, but it gives me an understanding or a sense of me carrying the presence of God with me. That God, that God is in me, not just around me. Not nebulous God, but God is present in me. We sang a song this morning, one of the hymns, that said, Help me to feel your Holy Spirit. Help me to know that, that you're mine. I, I can't explain to you how... I feel the presence of God, but I do. I do. There is no question in my mind. Over more than almost a full half a century, I have been very presently aware of God being with me. God being in me, speaking to me, guiding me, directing me. But I know. I'm not china. I'm not porcelain. I don't work well with linens. And now that I'm 62 years old almost, I'm a month away. Today's the 25th. My birthday's the 29th of May, so I'm just shy of a month away from being 62. Because every time I take Sam 62, my wife says, you're not. 
I said, well, I'm, I'm actually in my 62nd year getting ready to start my 63rd year, but we won't go there. Um, but there's this sense in my mind that has been coming up over the last year or so, and this is not, oh, I feel so bad about myself, but this is just reality. I'm getting towards the end. Now, some of you go, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor, don't talk like that. But the reality is, I'm closer to the time of leaving than I am to the time of coming. Okay? I don't have a guarantee of how many years I have on this earth. I don't know if I'm going to live until 70 or 75 or 100. I don't know. My family, if you look at my mom's side of the family, they die early. If you look at my dad's side of the family, they live until their 90s. So, I don't know. But the reality is, I'm 62 years old. And if I die at 75, that means I have 13 years left. And there's, there's this sense of what, what have I done that is lasting? Has, has my time here on this earth been worth it? Is there anything that's, that's, that I can go, I did that. You know, and I'm not saying that so that I can go, I'm all that in a bag of chips. That's not what I'm talking about. Because honestly, if I look back at the things that God has done through my life over the last almost 50 years of being in relationship with Him, God has moved in a powerful way through my life. God has, has saved people through my ministry. God has sanctified people through my ministry. God has helped me to bring people to emotional, psychological, physical, and spiritual health through my ministry. God has used me to provide financially to other people. So God has done some really cool things through me. But is it, was it, what's, I still fit. I don't feel like I fit from the outward perspective. I mean, let, let, let's be Let's be thinking through this, okay? Um, five years from now, 67, likelihood I'm still going to be fat. Because I've been fat for the last 25 years, so I don't expect anything in that part to change. I have uh, the beginnings of some heart issues. I just learned that I have been on blood pressure medicine for the better part of a decade, and I didn't even know it. I was just thought I had good blood pressure. <laughs> So, it's all of this stuff. And I'm like, God, if I were to ever leave here, what other church would want me? I would actually bring down their group health insurance and cause problems for their group policy. So, they're not going to want to bring an old fat guy who has a bunch of... So, am I stuck? What's the deal? What is... What is now, I, again, I am not in a bad place. Okay, don't hear me say that. I am quite happy with what my life is and where my life is. I'm just bringing out thoughts to you. I'm being, I'm being intentionally genuine and authentic with you. This is not me saying, oh, it's me, I'm such a horrible. That's not where I'm at. That's not where I'm at. I am quite happy with who I am and what I am. But this is stuff that has just gone through my brain over the last number of weeks, months even the last year or so. But as I was preparing for this sermon, God wanted me to talk about this stuff. And I was like, but why? 
And then he pointed me to this story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, I didn't know this, or if I knew it, I had forgotten it, but this miracle of Jesus is the only recorded miracle of Jesus other than the resurrection that is actually written into all four Gospels. Every other miracle that Jesus performed that's recorded appears in one of the four Gospels, or maybe two or three of the four Gospels, but this one, the feeding of the 5,000, only appears in, I mean, is the only one to appear in all four Gospels. And that's a significant thought, if you think about it. Because if the Word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and God felt it important to have certain things about the time of Jesus on the earth brought into written form so that we would have it forever, why this one? And what was so important about this one? Well, there's a few things I want you to focus on. Number one, and we're going to have to bounce back and forth between the Gospels because the entire Gospel message is found in all four. Okay? So first of all, turn to John chapter 6, which is where we were with the children's sermon. And it's John chapter 6. I was looking at 2 Corinthians 6, going, what? That's not... <laughs> okay. Um, there's a few things that you need to hear, see here. Keep your, keep your finger in John chapter 6, and then open to Mark chapter 6. Because we're going to look between those two. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in their telling of the story. John has just a little bit different nuance. So, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and following, and then John chapter 6, um, verses 1 and following. So, Mark chapter 6, it says, The apostles returned, verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Let's go away by ourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no light leisure even to eat. So they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many of the people saw them going and recognized that it was them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of Jesus and the disciples. So Jesus was taking his disciples to a place of respite. There had been a lot of stuff going on. It had been crazy, 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 work, 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 and it was time for you guys to get some rest. Jesus too. So let's get in the boat. We're going to go off to a desolate place and just take a breather. Well, selfish humanity saw Jesus and his friends in the boat and they followed him on shore. And they and the, the, the fame started coming. So literally, 5,000 men plus their wives plus children and how many single women we don't know all show up on the beach. That's a lot of people. And it says in, John, in Mark chapter 6, uh, when, verse 34, When Jesus went ashore, he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Now, stop there. 
Jesus had a plan. Jesus was going to minister to his disciples and give them a chance to rest and give them a chance to get a break from the crowds. But when he got to the shore and he saw the thousands of people there going, Jesus! Jesus! His heart was moved with compassion because these people needed caring for. When it said they were like a sheep without a shepherd, what did we read this morning? What did Elsie read to us? If it's a hireling and the wolves come, what do they do? Uh oh, are we okay? We're good. I have a thumbs up. Okay. I, I didn't hear any blood from the screen. So. As a parent or grandparent, if you don't hear that scream, you don't go running. So, anyways, um, so where was it? Oh, the, 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 the reading this morning from John. From John. Right, well, wasn't it the first John? No, John chapter ten. John chapter ten. Jesus said, "I'm the good shepherd." I take care of my sheep, know my voice, and blah, blah, blah. He said, and if the wolves come, the hireling, they run off. Why? Because they don't care about these sheep. They just get paid. But see, Jesus, in this chapter in Mark, he's, this is not my plan. This is what I want to do. Hi, guys. It's early. Come on out. Come on, let's talk. And he begins to teach them. Now, you can imagine what his disciples were probably going. And their self-reservers what is this? And then verse 35. And it grew late. And his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is kind of like a desolate place and it's getting late. You need to send these people out of here to go get something to eat. Now, I'm sure that was their motivation. I'm sure they were concerned about these thousands of people that needed to eat. It was like, it is enough. We had been here all day. We were supposed to be getting some rest here, weren't we? Send these people away. They need to go eat or something. And Jesus turns to them now. And he, but Jesus turns to the guys and he says, You give them something to eat. Now turn to John chapter 6. Jesus said to Philip, verse 5, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat? He said this, verse 6, Jesus said this to Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One denarii was what one worker would receive for one full day's pay. 200 denarii is over six and a half months of pay. And Philip says, it would take more than half a year's wages for us to buy enough bread. And, and, and that would just give them a little bit each. And then one of the disciples, Andrew, Peter's brother, said to Jesus, well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what's that amongst all these people? And Jesus said, have them all sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. And so they sat down and he fed them. Then he said, gather up the leftovers, there's nothing to be lost. So they did, in twelve baskets. And then Jesus sent them on their way. The story continues on with the rest of the things. He goes and he walks on water and stuff. Um, but there's, it's important for us, for whatever reason, God felt it was very important for us to read this story. 
Now, what I hear in this story is a couple things. Number one, Jesus had the power. He didn't need to involve his disciples. He could have looked at the grass and said, Father, thank you, make this now into wheat and give us a millstone so that we can grind it and feed all. And he could have done anything. He could have had fish jump out of the lake. He did that once before, didn't he? I mean, he literally can do anything he wants. He didn't need his disciples. But Jesus, knowing full well what he intended to do, involved his disciples in the work. And what I hear for us from this story is, that's how Jesus works the kingdom of God. We are here because God chooses to involve us in the work of the kingdom. Because if God didn't want or need us to be involved in the work of the kingdom, why are we still here? Because if all we are supposed to be, because how many of you guys have heard, well, the reason that God, blah, 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 is because he wanted to have a relationship, and so he created humans. And then Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and that broke relationship, and so now Jesus had to come and die so that our sins could be forgiven, so we could put back in right relationship, so then we could have right relationship with God forever, be with God forever. Well, if that's the story, then why don't we, poof, off the face of the earth the moment we get saved? Because if all God desires is relationship with us, then you ask Christ into your life, you commit to confess your sins, repent of your sins, and poof, now you're with the Father forever. But that's not what happens. What happens is, at some point in your life, you come into right relationship with God through Christ, your sins are cleansed, and then you continue to walk a regular day-to-day life. But now you have the presence of God with you. And God begins to guide you and to help you to know what God desires from you. And God forms you and shapes you and crafts you into the person that God needs you to be. Now, the focus is that spiritually we want to all be like Jesus, but the reality is, how many of you people really love, absolutely love, doing accounting? Raise your hand. Anybody in the room? We're in trouble, because none of us like to do accounting, and we've got to keep books at this church. How many of you absolutely love, love, thrive on cooking and crafting meals and sharing them with other people? Raise your hand. There's a number of you that love to. How many of you love, love, love helping other people by cleaning their house for them? A couple, three people. See, God has given some of you, thank God not me, some really cool talents and skills. Some of you are already actively using those talents and skills in the advancing of the kingdom of God. Some of you are still struggling to figure out why you're still here. And I don't mean to be glib or funny. I think the reality is you just haven't ever been uh, challenged in that area by either me or some other uh, discipler in your life. But the reality is why are you on this earth still? If you're in right relationship with God and everything's ready for you to go and spend time with God forever and God has chosen for you to still be here, that means God needs you to work in His kingdom somehow, some way, to advance the kingdom somehow, some way. Maybe you're the only person on the face of the earth who knows Christ who can reach that.
that person? I don't know. But my point is this. You may feel like you don't fit. You may feel like you're cracked and old and broken and you don't have anything to offer. But if God has left you on this earth and you are in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then there is a reason for it. Amen. And just like that little boy who thought, I don't have anything to offer. I got a couple rolls and some fish that my mom gave me for lunch. Jesus was able to take that tiny little thing and feed thousands of people with it and still have leftover. So what I see there is there for whatever per, whatever for whatever reason God has the ability to poof out of nothing, but God usually poofs with something that's already in place. So it may be, and I don't know, I'm not speaking about any human being in this room or anybody that well, I do know a few people. It may be that God has gifted you. I'll tell you somebody I can talk about because they're not here and I haven't seen them for over 25 years. I don't know if they're still on the face of the earth because last time I saw them, their health wasn't great. I have a friend from 30 years ago whose name is Carol and her husband's name was Mel. And Carol was a nurse and Mel was a, uh, a, a medical supply guy in the Navy. And they came to our church in Texas. He retired from the Navy and he and she started a medical supply company there in our town. He used his skills that he had acquired in the Navy to start a business. She used her medical knowledge to work with him in that, in that business. And they built up this really cool medical supply business. It wasn't the only one in town, but it was a pretty substantial one. And one day, they were at a church service, and there was a child. He was not a child child, but he was a child, probably an adolescent, who was struggling to use an adult-sized wheelchair because he was paraplegic. And that was all he had available to him. And Carol turned to Mel, and she said, Oh, Mel, that breaks my heart. And he said, What is it? What, is, what are you talking about? She said, That little kid is struggling with that full-size wheelchair, and we've got a, a, a right-size wheelchair for him in our warehouse. And Mel looked at him and he said, Do you have the key? Yeah. Well, then... I'll be right back. And she went and she got the wheelchair for the little boy and she and it's a perfect fit and it's a gift. Here, we love you in the name of Jesus. And that's how they live their life. I went to Bible college and I was struggling because I was like, God, I don't know how I'm going to go to college and have a computer. I, I don't have the ability to buy a new computer. I had one, but it was million years old. I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do because I have to have a computer, but I don't know what to do. And Carol and Mel called us over one evening before we left for Bible college, and they said, we'd like to have you guys for dinner. Okay. So we came for dinner. We're sitting there in their house having dinner. And um, at the end of dinner, Mel looked at me and said, he said, do you, uh, do you know anything about computers? I said, well, yeah. He said, well, I got a computer upstairs. I need to, to, to have some help with it. Could you come up and help me? I said, sure. So I went upstairs. I said, at that time, 
I was the local area network manager for my organization, but that was 30 years ago, so don't even ask me today. <laughs> not even worth looking at anymore. Um, but the, the reality was, Mel took me upstairs in their house to his office upstairs in his home, and he said, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, it's easy, blah, blah, it's easy to do this, and here we do it. He said, you got it running. I said, well, yeah, it wasn't that hard. He said, it's yours, take it home. What? Yeah, I want you to take this with you to Bible college. Are you serious? See, God had gifted them with the spiritual gift of giving. You know what's else really cool about Mel and Carol's life? This huge conglomerate came to town and said, we want to buy your business. And the business sold for $2.5 million. And the way the contract was written Carol got a million, Mel got a million, and their son, who had been their office manager, got $500,000, and he was guaranteed a job in that company for the next five years doing what he had been doing. That's how they wrote the contract. So Carol comes to church a week later driving a brand spanking new Cadillac. And she drove, drives into the parking lot and says, look, 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 look. And I said, what? She said, I got a new car. I always want, all my life I've wanted a Cadillac. All my life I've wanted a Cadillac. And Mel told me I could go buy one. And I wrote a check. <laughs> but see, God took who they were as human beings and how they were wired as human beings. And he's using it to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not gifted with medical supply knowledge. I'm not gifted with uh, a heart of mercy to, to give, 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 give when I see that kind of a need. And I'm certainly not gifted in the area of finance in the sense of being able to make millions of dollars out of 20s and 30s of dollars. But God saw that in them, they were committed to God, they were blessed by God, and God blossomed this incredible ministry for them and I, to this day, they are still, I mean, I'm not even allowed to talk about some of the things they're doing, because they asked me not to. But I know of some really significant and cool things that they're doing for the kingdom of God, because of their blessing, and because of their faithfulness, and their ability to be used of God in the way that God has asked them to, be, to do it. So, what I'm saying through all of this, is God has a specific reason for you being on this earth. God has a specific plan for having wired you the way God wired you. God knows that you're not 100% perfect, and that's okay. He sees you as you are, and he says, I still find great value in you. I still see great ability in you. I still see great things that we together can accomplish. Are you willing? And see, that's the challenge. First of all, you have to say, I confess my sins. Because you can't be in right relationship with God until you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you have offended a God, the God that there is, and you have to say, I am so sorry, I am hardly sorry for having offended thee. Please, please, please forgive me of my sins. And through the blood of Christ and the grace of God, you are forgiven. And you are now in right relationship. And now, the presence of God comes and resides in this little junky jar of clay. And as you grow in your walk with God, 
You learn to hear his voice, you learn to discern his word, you learn how God wants you to live, and you start walking that out, and you come to a point where, uh, uh, I, uh, he's asked, I don't want to, and that's your selfishness, that you literally have to release to God, and say, I don't want to have anything in the way between you and me. And so God, the Holy Spirit, can cleanse that, remove that carnality from you, and empower you to live the life that He needs you to live. Yeah. And from that day forward, woo-hoo! Tiny little fish, tiny little rolls can become 12 basketfuls after 5,000 plus people are fed. Yeah. Who knows what God wants to do through you? Only God. And if you continue to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and walk the path he's giving you, and continue to yield every time he asks you to yield, and continue to just be who you are, you will begin to see really cool things happening. Now, are all of us going to see thousands of people fed with our little lunch? Probably not. Because the Bible doesn't have thousands of people's stories of having that happen. But, if you're faithful to do what God asks of you, God will do cool things through you. And it doesn't matter whether it's phenomenal and world-changing or if it's one life that you touch. Because as long as you're being faithful to do what God has asked of you, that's all that matters. And you will have fulfilled the reason God brought you onto this earth. And then, once you've accomplished that, then God will say, it's time. Let's come. So, anyway, I think I said what I needed to say. If anybody wants some fish, there's some more up here in the basket. You can take them. Just don't take mine. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for making the stars of clay, for finding value in us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for caring for us. And God, I just ask that you would please now go with us into our day-to-day lives. Help us to honor you in everything that we say and do. Give you praise in Jesus' name.